Welcome to Pints of the Round Table. I am Monty Morgan, and I am here with two of the people that have been bullying me for like the past two days. Two terrible, awful human beings, Matt Gibson and Tara Styles. Neither one are handsome, and neither one are stunning or spectacular. Well, it happened yesterday, and nobody's bullying It you. feels like years, if we're going to be honest. It was... It was just a small 30 seconds of your life. What, four minutes? Four like minutes. Four minutes. Of your life. That I'll never live down. That probably the most hilarious four minutes I've seen in the last 20 years. The first the first minute's the best. They threw me off a cliff, <laughs> in oh, case you guys are we dropped, we dropped unaware what we're cliff, talking about. And I was on there with you. I've been drinking ever since. I, I don't know if you guys know this, but I quit drinking. But ever since they threw me off the cliff, I picked up the bottle again. None of this He is quit true. drinking, and by that he means because he had to drive to the place that we got dropped off the cliff and then get back. And then we couldn't find anybody that was open to sell beer before you got dropped off the cliff. <laughs> <as> we looked. <laughs> so there's a ride at a place called Cave of the Winds in Manitou where you just sit in the seat and then they... They drop you off the cliff at 100 miles an hour. Drop you off the fucking cliff. Yeah. Terminal velocity. Terminal bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I did see a newt on the way down. Um, it was a chipmunk. <laughs> even know... The difference between a newt and a chipmunk. I know the difference between being on ground and not being on the ground. <laughs> it was a newt because there was witchcraft going on. Yeah, sorcery. <laughs> sorcery. I mean, our Patreon people will, will see the video. They've been playing it over and over and over and over and over. It just right. sounds so good. Yeah. They played it in the gift shop extra long. Well, of course they did. No, they played it on a loop in the gift shop. <laughs> they, got to the, they got to the video after your video, and they were like, wait, this is lame. Let's go back to the other one. <laughs> it was on, like, monitors everywhere. And everyone's laughing at me. <laughs> you can see pictures if you're in the Facebook group. Yeah. And if you're on the Patreon, of course, you'll get the video if you ask for it. We'll email it to you. Yeah. Or we can put it up on the Patreon. Because uh, we, got, we actually got some new... Uh, we got some new Patreon members. We do, indeed. Which is awesome. Yeah, it's always awesome. Lacey, thank you. We love you. You're awesome. We also want to thank Bradley for joining the team. Bradley, too? Mm-hmm. Bradley, too. Two of them. Right. Bradley, too, or Bradley the first? <laughs> I don't know. Gotcha. I don't, I don't know. Both are awesome humans, for sure. I'm still slightly traumatized. Oh. <laughs> I still got the shakes. It breaks out into like cold sweats. I do every time. Already. Every time they keep playing it, I start sweating again. <laughs> I thought it was fucking awesome. I'm sweating about it right now. Everybody in line thought it was awesome too. Behind you, <laughs> the guy that was down there was like, "How's the trip, man?" Like he knew the guy that made the video was like, "So, how did you like the trip?" I was like, "What the fuck?" You know exactly how I like the trip, you asshole. <laughs> As he's sitting there editing and putting the pictures onto the hard drive, smiling, just smiling. Oh my god, it was <laughs> I bet they watched that like live on the camera, probably laughing their asses off. Yeah, I'm sure everyone took it home with them. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, okay. Yeah, thank you guys for becoming Patreon members and of course thank you 
everyone who's already a Patreon member and you know who donates to help us out and buys koozies and stuff like that, we're actually, you know, we got the new editor and stuff, and it makes the show better and it makes it better for you guys. But I mean, none of that stuff's free. It all cost us something. Yeah. At this point, everything that we could do to improve is definitely going to cost yep. money. That's, yep. Working on. We want to improve video and and all that stuff, but uh, all that isn't possible without you, amazing, wonderful humans. Especially Lacey and Bradley, who just joined. Yep. Thank you. And this would be also not be possible if my co-hosts don't stop throwing me off fucking cliffs. Mm. And then you made me sing karaoke. <laughs> They're literally trying to kill me. Uh, the karaoke happened first, and you were so bad at it that we decided to throw you off the cliff. Oh, man, that's awesome. The true. best part about the karaoke was... None of it. I went up to the, the guy that sang before us who was, like, terrible. I was like, were we in tune at all during that? And he's like, no, not at all, but you had fun. Man, and that guy sounded like, like what, what's the mono Ben Stein? Ben Stein, the monotone dude? Dry eyes. Yeah. Yes. Clear eyes. Bueller. Is that the same Bueller. guy? Right? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like that guy singing. Is it, uh, what was it? Was it Three Doors Down, the Superman song? Oh Kryptonite? My God, yes. <laughs> now I'm being on tonight. It was so bad. We're not sorry if you happen to hear this. Yeah. We've been, we've been doing a lot of work, though, man. Writing, editing, all that stuff. Space Frog. Space Frog marketing. Space Frog marketing. That's right. All that shit, man. TM We're trying to get better for, for all you guys. We love it. Lots of compliments. Oh, we did get a, an email. We'll put that in at the end of the show. We'll talk about it a little bit. We got oh, an email our, from somebody. Our little feedback email, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. It's, it's a good one, like usual. Yeah. Although, it's not as good as, as winning. <laughs> Nothing will ever be as good as winning. No. No, not even Gargle Mel or what, Rock Gargling. That's good, medium too. Medium funny. That was good. Winnie was, Karen, that, that's still Winnie tops that. Yeah, Winnie was a, was a, somebody pranked this human to listen to our show <laughs> and then she was like this is not acceptable <laughs> professional that's not, that's not any way that you should talk to a lady right. or any way a lady should talk <laughs> i'm winnie professional yelp reviewer well and we were at the bar last night and that lady was talking and tara and i are both like let's go to that table and that's like no no. Oh, no, that girl's got the mom jeans on, like all of it. And I was like, no. Tearing out, like, hey, let's go say hi to this human. I sat and talked to her for like forty minutes about cats. Oh, so she's maybe not a mom, maybe not just a, a crazy mom. cat lady, just a crazy cat lady, <laughs> just an older Tara. Matt's no longer interested. No, no longer threatened either. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, today we have a uh, ten bizarre encounters with the craziest aliens ever. It's written by a. Uh, Garth Hoslam. Anybody named Garth definitely knows about Crazy Aliens. Well, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. But it's, it's one of our top 10s. You guys always know we, we do our homework and then a top 10. And uh, this is our top 10. There's another one we got sent. It was about a moon encounters. Uh, we may get to that on our Patreon content. But either way, uh, there's a striking disconnect between what aliens from outer space are probably believed to look like and what is actually reported. The popular idea known as the greys are often short and always skinny with gray skin, big heads, huge bug-like black eyes, and just a slit for a mouth. That was Matt when mom tried to kiss him. <laughs> yep, just a slit. <laughs> he was also bug-eyed. <laughs> and gray skinned. <laughs> Well, creatures like these appear in movies and on book magazine covers worldwide, and as the generally accepted appearance for 
quote, real, end quote, aliens from outer space. More generally speaking, though, actual reports of alien encounters have displayed a real variety of weird creatures. Some are amazing, some are scary, some are just plain odd. All right. So for number 10, we have the frog aliens. Wait, space frog? Space frog? Racketeering. That's what we're doing on the streets right now. Have we been taken over by frog aliens? I hope not. Spray frog macaronis. (laughs) (laughs) Harrison Bailey loved to walk so much that he found a way to profit from it. I like to talk shit. Somebody pay me. He had a huge green tire with advertising space on the side of it, and he'd take long walks rolling it with sponsored ads. Jesus. He was on such a walk from Chicago, Illinois to Joliet on September 24th, 1951 when he rolled his big tire into a small wooded area along the route near the town of Orland Park. He had approached the woods, he became aware of a strange prickling in his neck and saw a sort of silver whirlwind in the sky behind him. But he was on a tight schedule with a long walk ahead. So he ignored it and continued forward into the woods. I'm too busy, it's none of my business. I mean, I get It'd that. It'd be nice if more people were like that. In front of him was what he took to be a large frog on a log. Just a frog and a log in the woods. Isn't it a frog on a log in the hole in the bottom of the sea? He became aware of other animals about the same size hidden in the foliage on both sides of the road. Small, round insects were all over the road. Bailey walked on, figuring his boots would protect him. Then the frog on the log stood up and started walking towards him. Don't trust anything that space frog has to say it's a racket. It's a racket. Don't trust a walking frog. Yeah, anything bipedal, don't trust it. Soon, Bailey was surrounded by these bipedal frogs, and they were jumping up to touch him on the shoulders, back, hips, and legs. And when they touched him, it felt unpleasant. This is unwanted physical contact. I did not give consent. <laughs> Six feet, social distancing, space frog. Space frog. <laughs> He started to run, still rolling his wheel ahead of him and over the strange insects that covered the ground. I ain't leaving this wheel behind. Hell no, that's his money-making wheel. That's my my money-making wheel. (laughs) He eventually escaped the horde of frogs. Further along the road, Bailey ran across a large rounded object that opened to reveal two five-foot-tall human-like beings wearing helmets that obscured their faces. The next thing Bailey was aware of, lying on a bed of some sort, presumably inside the object, with the two beings examining him, somehow communicating to instruct him to tell the world about them. They never actually spoke. That's weird they never spoke when he has a wheel. After this strange exam, Bailey was allowed to leave with his wheel. But despite the beings asking him to tell the world about them, he immediately forgot about nearly everything that happened that day. Hey, this is what you gotta do, but we're also gonna not let you remember that. Alright, as long as I get my wheel, though. It was only around 25 years later when hypnotic regression was used to try and recover what happened in the hours of that September day that the strange series of events was told to the world. What? He got hypnotized to remember? Yeah. Probably hypnotized by it. They always do that. Anybody who's, like, captured by aliens, there's always, like, the hypnotic regression and they're like oh yeah i was kidnapped by aliens i think that doesn't make any sense because they're like okay tell the world about us now we're gonna make you forget about us maybe they messed it up <laughs> they drank the wrong potion like you damn know it, damn it bill this one was supposed to tell the world about us <laughs> i have to get us another one get one without a wheel this time he's very concerned about it i mean i feel like hypnotists are aliens of a sort i mean a good alien would have stole the wheel 
too. I'm saying those guys could be easily making some money right now on Greenwell. I'm going to quit the show and become a hypnotist. Hypnotist? Yep. I'm going to have my own spin on it, though. My wheel's going to be blue. Not green? How are you supposed to make money off that? Uh, Green is the money-making color. Oh, shit. She's not wrong. Hmm. Oh, pink it is. Pink it is. (laughs) (laughs) She blew us out of the water with that one. Uh, This one is about Space Cone. Space Cone. On Sunday, November 1st, 1954, Rosa Dinelli was walking along a footpath through fields and thickets on her way from her house to the nearby town of Senina, Italy, where she planned to place a handful of carnations at the altar of the Madonna Pellegrina, the Pilgrim Madonna. It was a path she used almost daily and an area very familiar to her until she entered a small clearing and found some sort of vehicle in the middle of it. What's this vehicle doing on this footpath? I've been here daily, and never once have I seen... It is a footpath, and it is for pedestrians. Who do I have to call? Uh, The object was only about seven feet tall, and looked like two small cones connected together at their large ends, like a round diamond shape. That is not the right description at all. not... What kind of vehicles do they have there? That is not a cone, nor a diamond. Nor? It's it's a round square. (laughs) <laughs> a round? A round square. Or a round diamond. It uh, stood on three small legs and had an opening in the side that revealed two small chairs. As Rosa was just starting to wonder about this object, two tiny men, only three feet tall or so, walked around from the opposite side of it to approach her in a friendly fashion. The two looked mostly human, but their size and an odd curve in the center of their lips showed that they were not. Both wore one-piece gray overalls. Oh, hell yeah! That covered them from their necks to their feet. And each wore a short cape, too. Overalls and a cape? Hell yeah. Oh, those guys are superheroes. Flying in style. They also had odd helmets that covered their ears. The two short men tried to talk uh, to Donnelly, but she didn't understand the language they were using. They snatched some carnations from her and dropped them inside the craft. Then one of them reached inside and brought out two white spheres. And Dinelli took the opportunity to run from the scene. What dumbass. Yeah, they, they were trying to trade. Well, when she looked back over her shoulder at them, they'd vanished. She should have taken the gift. Uh, of course she should have. It wasn't really a gift if they took the flowers. Well, I mean, no. At that point, you'd be like, bitch, you better pay for my flowers. They tried yeah. to in spheres. In spheres. Listen, if two little hillbilly aliens with <laughs> come at me and take my carnations... I can just have them. They don't have to pay for them. That's fine. Thanks for letting me see you in your overall cape, evil Knievel helmets. Well, we got here. They only get two of us in the ship. It's only about seven feet tall, about three feet each. Do you think they go like head to head, foot to foot, or foot on shoulder when they get in there? Like a Tetris piece. Which Tetris piece, though? <laughs> I'm think the zigzaggy one. I'm trying to put it together. There's not a lot of room for beer. There are all kinds of zigzags. Or spheres. No. Or carnations. Yeah. I was never good at Tetris. I love Tetris. Yeah, me too. I was great at it. I, did. I still, it I still like hear Tetris music when I'm trying to like pack up a moving van. I didn't think it was enjoyable, so I never played it. I think it was like Willy Wonka. No. What do you get when you eat too much That's like a song C in the Game Boy version. Next we have the Silver Monster. It was a long night on the farm in Kelly, Kentucky. The other aliens went to the wrong spot. The ones with the overalls, they should have went here. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, it all started when Billy Ray Taylor saw a strange object fly across the sky with a rainbow trail and then drop into a deep goalie nearby. Hell, what? yeah. I'm what about it. 
the hell was that? Let me put on my coveralls. Billy Ray Taylor, did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> Taylor headed to the farmhouse of the Sutton family. Uh, they were friends to tell everyone there what he had seen. But the family thought he'd probably seen a falling star. It was just exaggerating the details. Billy Ray, falling stars don't have rainbows behind them. N- no, but okay. Like when I saw Hellbop as a kid through the telescope, when I looked through the telescope, it had like a, a prismatic rainbow star. You know, like you know how oil looks in mm-hmm. a puddle mm-hmm. with that like purple to gold prismatic. That's how it looked. But only when I was looking through it through the telescope. All right. Well, Billy Ray Taylor had telescope eyes. Maybe he did. Telescopic maybe, eyes? Maybe the atmosphere was just doing some kind of weird, you know. Atmosphere I'm, stuff? I, I would probably believe exactly what the Sutton family did, too. Okay, Billy Ray. Put the other button on your overalls, man. Calm down a second. <laughs> I don't have another button. <laughs> Mama won't sew back on. Because I keep losing it. And this is what I had to pay for it. Now I had no button. Well, half an hour later, something glowing approached the house from the fields. Taylor and Lucky Sutton watched the strange glow from the back door of the house until it became clear it was some sort of bipedal creature. Three and a half feet tall, with a huge round head and a very long arms ending in talons. That was walking towards them. That thing seems like it's getting closer, Billy Ray. I told you, Lucky. I told you it was getting closer. I told you I saw something. Let's wait until we can see what it is first here on the porch. Well, yeah, let's just wait till he gets to the porch. Well, the odd creature appeared to be made of silver, and it held its arms high above its head as it approached, as if in surrender. Dear God, <laughs> don't shoot. This <laughs> the motherfuckers got three names, and they'll kill you. <laughs> Hand me another moon tucky. Montucky. Maybe it is a moon tucky for the alien. A moon tucky. <laughs> <laughs> and there didn't seem to be any obvious reason it was glowing. Taylor and Sutton both grabbed guns, and when the creature came within 20 feet of the house, they opened fire, with the odd result that the creature flipped backwards and then ran away. 20 feet. It had its arms up in the air. Isn't that like, I come in peace, don't shoot? It depends. I mean, if his arms aren't jointed and they're automatically up, and that's just the way it walks. At this point, I mean, he's glowing. He's made of silver. How big did they say it was? Three, never, three and a half just, feet. Just the fact that you'd never seen anything like this before is going to freak you out, right? Like that... The thing that doesn't get me is oh, there's two of them on the porch. It's 20 feet away, and they both missed. That's thing about Kentucky Moonshine. You don't know. This thing got them crazy backflips. Fucking circus actor. Well, soon another such creature was found staring into the house at one of the windows. They shot at it from inside the house, and the weird thing flipped backwards and out of sight once again. Assuming the body would just be outside, Taylor and Sutton headed toward the front door. As Taylor walked out, however, one of the creatures was seen... To reach down from above and touched his hair with its talons. Oh, hell no. What? Oh, hell yeah. The family yanked Taylor back inside before he could go further. Then Sutton ran out and shot the creature, knocking it off the roof. Another creature was spotted in a tree nearby, and Taylor joined Sutton as they both shot at the creature. It fell from the tree and floated lightly down to the ground before running off. And that was weird, didn't to do a backflip out of there? <laughs> well, then another... Ran from around the house at the two men. Sutton fired point blank into the creature. They heard the bullets hit it, but the strange creature was unharmed, even though it turned and ran after being shot. It was now obvious to both Taylor and Sutton that their guns were useless, and they retreated back into the house. Though the strange visitors continued to pester the family until around 5 a.m., the creatures never did anything aggressive. Instead, they appeared to simply be curious about the family, always looking in the windows, but never entering the house. They probably have to be invited in. They're vampires. We just ran out of gas. Our cars <laughs> broke down over there, up the road. We're just 
Can we use a phone? <laughs> Our car shit out the last rainbow. What y'all got down there? Well, we got four legs and arms. Ah, it's not bipedal. It was a Sunday around 2 p.m. in Casablanca, California, and a large group of boys were playing in a yard in front of one of their houses when they noticed the first strange object in the sky above them. Soon others appear and disappeared with a musical ping. What's a musical ping? Ping. That's what I say when I'm drunk and then ping in the snow. (laughs) I'm ping. (laughs) It disappeared with the musical ping. Putting on a show, the boys thought it was fun. But anytime they tried to get one of the adults in the house to look, everything vanished. Okay. It's like the, the lucky charms, only the kids can see it. So it was just for them to see, and they soon accepted this. One of the objects, multicolored and bright, landed about half a block away in a field. Then two of the older boys saw a strange thing in front of the house next door. It was about three and a half feet tall, floating above the ground, and transparent enough that they could see the brickwork of the house through the thing's body. Well, that's not freaky at all. It's a ghost. I mean, they're, they're, they're loving it. It wore a belt with a round disc that glimmered like a mirror. What? That's a big old bell buckle. I'm invisible, but I gotta have something to keep my pants up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because the kids around, I'm trying to be a pedophile ghost or alien. The creature appeared to have eyes and a mouth, but across the area, a nose would be there were four round objects that shined like diamonds. These are some weird looking motherfuckers. Yeah. It was labeled the weirdest or craziest alien encounters. Yeah. Okay. Quadruple diamond alien nose. That's hell yeah. I'll take four diamonds and they can have my nose. The craziest bizarre encounters with aliens. Another boy saw just an arm hanging alone. Just an arm. I love that guy. Saw just an arm hanging alone in midair, beckoning him to come closer. Uh, no, just a single arm going, Hey, come here. (laughs) No, thanks. Then another full being emerged from the landed craft also floating above the ground, but much more solid-looking than the previous. This one's a solid-ass alien, guys. Guys, you, you could you solidify before you talk to the children? <laughs> this one appeared to be wearing a satin-like material, and it had four legs and four hands, each of its arms splitting in two at the elbow. Oh. How does that work? Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, that's it, the only way like I think it would work. It's like my web toe. Imagine the masturbation you could do with that. I can barely fill two hands. I'm going to do four. Ah. <laughs> Pinch your nipples. Oh, yeah. No. no. <laughs> this being somehow talked to one of the boys, telling him to climb a nearby tree so he could be picked up in 15 minutes. What? Hell yeah. Uh, your Uber driver's on the way. <laughs> He's going to have to be in the tree. Space Uber. <laughs> You're supposed to come inside, Keith. Never. Using a hose, the older kids kept the younger ones out of the tree. And 15 minutes later, one of the strange objects flew around the top of the tree before all of the objects disappeared for the last time. So after the forearm motherfucker talked to the boys and said, hey, wait in the tree, all of the young boys were like trying to get in the tree, even though the older boys are hosing them down. Yeah, they're hosing them down. Don't you go up that tree. Yeah, and so they, but the little kids are they still said, trying to get it. Like apparently, they said Big Jerry's the only one allowed on the tree. I think it's gonna take all little kids. They ain't taking us. Get the hose, Billy. Man, aliens are dumb as shit. Yeah, they're dumb. 
I think they're wonderful. All this technology. Well, this one here is about ginger aliens. I'm going to get him pregnant. My favorite type of aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Jose Antonio da Silva from Bebeduro, Brazil, just wanted to fish. He got up early that morning to do just that after having hiked to the lake and set up camp the day before. But around 3 p.m., his plans were changed against his will when a group of four-foot-tall humanoids, completely covered head-to-toe in strange suits, paralyzed his legs and then dragged him aboard a weird craft. That's honestly a really shitty Thursday. I just just wanted to fish. I swear to God, these guys, their weird clothes. If they don't give me some fish at the end of this... For hours, De Silva sat with his captors as a strange vehicle moved. There were no windows, so he could only feel the motion of the craft with no idea where it was going. They had placed a helmet over his head, just like the ones they were wearing themselves. And when Safety they, first. Gotta have our PPE on the insurance companies. <laughs> yeah, gotta have the, the PPE gear is important, even to aliens. <laughs> even to aliens. <laughs> the idea of an, an alien OSHA... Just pisses me off. <laughs> if you actually want to be covered as an abduction craft, you're going to have to have your abductees wear the proper protective <sighs> equipment. <laughs> I can't even imagine the, the, the like the OSHA book that you have to keep on your spaceship. <laughs> you know, if any of your abductees wants to know anything about the material safety data sheet, this has to be in clear, visible view. <laughs> Like as they abducted him, you're not going to remember this afterwards. But so to the left is the MSD. That's right. Um, oh man, fire escape map is right over here. No pallets. Standing up. When they reached their destination, he was brought into a large room and placed sitting on a stool. Here he saw these beings without their helmets on, although he continued to wear his. Among them was one being who was slightly taller and appeared to be in charge. They all looked about the same, roughly human, with red hair that hung to their waists and beards that stretched to their stomachs. Dude, Scottish aliens. <laughs> Little dwarven aliens. That's what I'm getting here. Their eyebrows were very thick, about two finger widths, and they had no eyelashes at all on their slightly larger than human green eyes. The biggest difference was their mouths, which were a little wider than a human's and had no teeth in them looking more like a fish's mouth on the inside. Hell yeah, I did get my fish after all. Yeah, the more we get into this, I think this is just describing my type. Wait, minus the beard. Nope, definitely with the beard. All right, <laughs> so be it. They communicated to De Silva by means of gestures and illustrations. He soon understood that they wanted him to go back to Earth to gather information for them, then eventually return to live with them for several years, finally to return to Earth with them as their ambassador and guide. I'm in. Hell yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm about that life. Well, De Silva refused the offer because he's a bitch. Fucking idiot. That's how you die. Uh, With that, he was taken back to the strange craft, and after some time, he was dropped off in the middle of the night by a stream. Once he found his way to a road, he was able to learn that he was about 30 kilometers, or just less than 19 miles away from where he'd been fishing, and four and a half days had passed. Holy shit. That's a hell of a bender. I want to know how they can just kidnap a guy. But then when he says no to the offer, they're like, okay, that, I, I guess that's fine. It's right here on page 10 of the OSHA regulation rules. They have to have consent not to kidnap them. You got to figure it's pretty insulting, right? Like, it, I'm going to have this job offer for this, like, backwards-ass species from the planet in the middle of fucking nowhere. 
like I could change your whole life and show you the things that you'd never even dreamed of. And he's like, mm, nah, I just want to go fishing. Fish. Nah. I just want to fish. Fish were fishes. Did you see her mouth? We're fishes. Quit killing my cousins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a dumbass. Yeah, they put they put fish on the earth first to try to come back with information. They're like. This clearly didn't fucking work. Yeah, yeah humans don't let them evolve because we just keep killing them. Yeah, the humans just keep catching them. <laughs> Not my fault. Fish are dumb as shit. Ripping their throats out and throwing them back in the water. What the fuck? All right, next we have Bigfoot. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Monty's favorite. No my way. personal favorite. Alien Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Alien Bigfoot. Holy shit! It was 10:30 p.m. and a foggy night out in Frederick, Wisconsin, and farmer William Bosack was driving home from a co-op meeting he had attended in a nearby town of Frederick when his headlights reflected off something on the left side of the road. Uh, Bosak had already been driving at a slower pace due to the fog, and he slowed down more as he approached the object. And I do mean object, for it was no car on the side of the road. The object was about 8 to 10 feet tall and was sitting still. On the side facing Bosak, as he drove up near the curved glass panel that he could see through, and inside, there was a human-like being. They're all human-like. Every single one of them. Human-like. Yeah, like, where's, where's the that's cow? The one where's with, the cow-like? You know, even the one with four arms was human-like. Huh? Well, that's fair. Human-like. Bipedal. With a head on top of his head. Quadpedal. Quadpedal? God. Or is it... Well, I, I don't know. Is it is it bipedal with the two thighs? and Or is it a quadruped because he has four shins? It's a... Because it's just two legs from the hips, right? Hell of a soccer player, though. <laughs> 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 Uh, the being appeared to to be wearing a tan shirt of some type. Oh, Bigfoot's got fashion sense. That's great. <laughs> Bigfoot alien has fashion sense. But Bosak could also see that it had short hair on the or fur on its upper body. Upper body and arms. The arms were raised above the being's head. There was more short hair sticking out from the sides of the being's head, though its face and chin were hairless. This just sounds like a hairy guy to me. Minus his beard. He's wearing a tan shirt. You know a 10-foot tall guy? Yeah. Who? He's in, he plays basketball. No, he don't. Yeah. No. Oh, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it's like <laughs> seven and a half feet taller or something that is the tallest. Well, high up on its head, two calf-like ears stuck out about three inches to each side. It also had large protruding eyes. Bosak couldn't see more of the craft or figure because of the fog, but he had seen enough. Well, he stepped on the gas pedal and rocketed home. It was nearly a month before Bosak plucked up the courage to tell anyone else what had happened. Obviously, he doesn't know anybody who's into weird shit. Nobody's going to believe this. Everybody's got that one friend that'll be like, oh, hell yeah. You're right. Maybe Bosak was like the town drunk, and they're like, here we go again. Another fucking story. So basically, Monty here. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) On further thought, it occurred to Bosak that the strange being looked just as frightened of him as he had been of it, and he kind of wished he could go back and be friendlier. I mean, he could go back. I ain't got no friends. <laughs> I bet Bigfoot in the tan shirt with no pants would be my, my drinking buddy. <laughs> you know what? He'd be the kind of guy I could tell about this. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we have block creatures. I wonder if they're human-like. <laughs> they're, they're Minecraft. 19-year-old Lee Parrish had just driven home from his girlfriend's house in Prospect, Kentucky. Again, Kentucky. Along the way, he had seen a bright rectangular object in the sky. It's called a window. (laughs) (laughs) When he got home, his eyes hurt terribly, and he discovered the seven-minute drive had taken nearly 45 minutes to complete for some weird reason. Well, that's what happens when you stare at the sun. (laughs) 
Worried, his mother convinced him to have a hypnotic regression. Every time, it's always hypnotic regression, which is like the worst cure song. Old Abigail down over there, reading my tarot cards, knows a hypnotic regressionist. Oh, speaking of the tarot cards, I did find a tarot reader that wants to do our tarot cards again. Oh, oh hell yeah. So, I'm trying to get that set up, which I'm excited for. And hopefully, everyone else is excited for that too. I'm going to try to make it part of our space series, astrology, and Ooh, yeah. all that nonsense. Nice. They wanted to do this in an attempt to remember what happened during the missing time, and the answers he gave were just strange. Parrish's car had been lifted off the ground by a bright object, and then Parrish himself had somehow been instantly brought to a room that looked too large to be inside the craft. In this room were three strange objects. On his left was a large black slab shaped like a tombstone with an additional bump on top that nearly reached the ceiling. What do you want on your tombstone, Parrish? <clears throat> Pepperoni and cheese. On his right was a red block that was just a little shorter than Parrish, and in front of him was a more complicated-looking white block. Uh, how would you describe them? Complicated-looking. Not the other two. Oh, there's, there's blocks. <laughs> the other one was just more complicated. There's, there's a red one. There's a white one. It was complicated. The white one. Well, the white block was Parrish's height, about six feet, and had a surface that curved away from Parrish on the front with a distinct rectangular head. She sounds cute. You should give her your digits. <laughs> She's got to have the ginger hair. Parrish didn't know how he knew, but he sensed these objects were sentient beings and that the white one was in charge. Okay. The black slab had a single limb that stuck out from one side of its front. That's his dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird you went there with that, Tara. Why else would it be in the front? Uh, did one non-bipedal arm, single pedal, side pedal, sepedal? I don't know how you do that. Om Omnipedal? Unipedal. It started to use this possible penis to slowly <laughs> touch Paris on his side and back. Oh, yes, A feeling that was unpleasant. Definitely a penis. <laughs> cold and burning at the same time. Yeah, definitely a penis. It made Parrish feel like he was vibrating. Oh, it's a vibrator. Oh, oh, it's a vibrator. Next, the red block touched him. Oh. It, too, had a single limb coming from its body. Should we assume this one is also a penis or not? Nah? This one's not coming from the front. And Parrish sensed it was a little bit frightened of him. It slowly touched his shoulder and then the side of his head above the ear in his hairline. Shh, it's okay, buddy. Shh. <laughs> it's fine, buddy. It's fine. These touches came with the sensation of being pricked with a needle, but didn't hurt very long. After touching him, the red block moved to the white one and either disappeared behind it or merged with it. Well, if it would have merged, it would have turned pink. I don't know. You don't know because the white one's in charge. The black slab backed away slowly as the white object made a sound like sandpaper being used. Then the white one moved to the black slab and again either disappeared behind it or merged with it. A moment later, the black slab disappeared, leaving Parrish in the room alone. You're going to call me, right? I like the way you hurt me when you touch me. Well, then all of a sudden, Parrish was back in his car again, looking at a little pond near the roadway he had been driving on. His eyes were completely bloodshot, and he had trouble sleeping for days afterwards simply because of how badly they hurt. Wow. Wait a minute. I thought he took a seven-minute drive that took him 45 minutes, and then he got home. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what happened. Well, yeah. Until the regression. Yeah. 
Right. And then in that 45 minutes, he was getting penis touched. Touched by, by the, the red, white, and Assumable black. penis touched. There was some definite vibrations going on. Do you think it was like good, 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 good vibrations? And like I was going to call it a gangbang, but obviously it was a train because they didn't all go at the same time. They went and... Mm. <laughs> Choo-choo. And and then like did the black one even get to finish? Because the white one was like sandpaper noise. And the black one was like, God damn it. Damn I guess it. I'll stop. I guess I'm the cuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just none of this ever happens until regression. I, once again, I think therapists are like just implanting random nonsense in people's heads. Yeah, that's or why hypnotists, I said not they're therapists. also yeah. aliens. Hypnotists. So then you saw a red one and a black one and a white one, right? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, I did. And they had penises and they were touching you. He's like, gets the notepad. And it was the bad touch. (laughs) A little prickly? Was this a good touch or a bad? He's like, no, I think it was a bad touch, don't you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. I I definitely think it felt bad. That's that's the first time a vibrator didn't feel good. Six years later, he's like, holy shit, my therapist has a whole alien erotica series novel. (laughs) 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 Chapter one, block fucking. <laughs> it is a weird fetish. I, really, I, just, I want them to be rectangular. <laughs> and I don't want them to have any human features except for maybe like a rectangle head and a penis. Sir, this is Legoland. <laughs> Please leave. <laughs> <laughs> you could not be at Legoland right now. Oh, okay, so this one's called Triangle Eyes. Oh, I wonder if it has triangle eyes. I bet it doesn't. I bet it has. Oh, did we notice that block creatures weren't exactly human like? Hell yeah, they weren't. Not once were they described as human. As human like ever. There we have it. Our first not human like block. It honestly it's probably the strangest one yet. The therapists don't know shit. Mm. Right, this hypnotist don't know shit. Hypnotist, yep. So private security guard Piero Fortunato Zanfreda was driving his rounds in Toriglia, Italy, that icy cold night when just a bit after midnight, his car's engine, lights, and radio all failed at once. That's what happens when my car gets the heart to burn. I had to pasta to my car and I get the heart to burn. Everything stopped working. Is it, is it just because he has a cheap car? Do you think Italians with three names or like Americans with three names? Is this Billy Ray Taylor of <laughs> oh Italy? Oh my God. And he's driving some beater and everything just broke all at the same time? I, I love the idea of this. <laughs> like, normal guys in, like, Italy, like, hi, I'm Pierre. Yeah. And all that stuff, but, like, the redneck <laughs> ones, like, I'm, I'm Pierre, Francis. Fortunato's and a friend. Yeah, Bonatelli. <laughs> Only with, with not the quite Italian. the hick accent. Yeah, the, the Italian redneck <laughs> accent. <not> the <laughs> Which is just ragu from a jar. Pierre, don't you know, overalls are not in style here. <laughs> These aren't overalls? This right here is a... It's a pair of pants with a buckle on it. <laughs> Over the shoulder buckle. These are designer pants. <laughs> designer overalls, thank you very much. Well, after everything in his car broke, his car came to a stop in one of his clients' houses. What's that mean? It'd have been weird yeah. if the car would have kept going. He's a private security guard, so I guess it's one of the houses oh, okay. he's got a guard. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Uh, while this bothered him, Zanfreda quickly noticed four strange lights moving around the client's house. Assuming they were burglars, he grabbed his gun and flashlight, walked through the open gate, and snuck quietly along the wall to surprise them. Nobody who just had their car sputtered out by the name of Pierre has ever walked quietly anywhere. (laughs) That's just like the the immediate, like, spring into action and do his job. It's like, well, my car just broke down. Well, well, I don't know. There's lights over here. I'm about to go catch me some criminals. I'll worry about this car later. Right. I got to sneak out. Open the door. It's like ding, ding, ding. Oh, the car door. I was going to say... It's like, 
Why is the gate open? And where's the fucking guard? He's the guard. Who left the gate open? <laughs> Triangle-eyed aliens. And I definitely do think that his car is a piece of shit because when it breaks down and he sees lights, he's not concerned about why his car broke down. He's like, ah, it broke down again. Let me go uh, take care of these burglars. Like, that's <laughs> I mean, I'm sure security guards don't make that much money. It's probably like oh. the the company car if he's a, like a security guard. It's like oh, the, you're right. It would be like a yeah. Like, I mean, that's how they do it here. It'd have a logo on the side and like lights maybe on top. It would say you know Zanfredi Security. Yeah, yeah those lights stopped working too. Oh, that's right. So on the side it says Mama Ragus. And even the radio. Well, as he's sneaking along the wall trying to, you know, sneak up on these guys, someone touched his back. <gasps> and spinning around with his gun and light in front of him, Zanfreda found himself facing a 10-foot-tall being with undulating, hairy green skin. Wait, was the hair green too? I don't know. He pointed his flashlight up to see the face of the creature and quickly dropped it in shock. Uh, the creature had triangular yellow eyes and red veins on its forehead. Yuck. Yeah. <laughs> Zanfreda quickly grabbed the flashlight and ran for his car, but he was soon aware that something very bright was behind him. He turned to look and discovered a huge triangular craft glowing brightly enough that he had to shield his eyes was rising from the backyard of the house with a hissing noise. Uh, he ran to his car and made a desperate call out on his radio, which was cut off before he could give his location. But he said the radio wasn't working. No, I don't know why I ran his car to begin with. Like, he knows it's broke. I'm saying. I guess knee-jerk reaction. Uh, an hour later, two other patrol cars came through the area, area and discovered Zanfredi lying on the ground out in front of the now-closed gate to the house. As they approached, he jumped up, pointing his gun at them. <laughs> his eyes were bulging, and he didn't seem to recognize them. They managed to overpower him, but noticed as they did so that Zanfreda and his clothes were very warm despite the icy temperatures he'd presumably been lying in until just a moment before. God damn it, Larry, he pissed himself again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, further investigation after daybreak showed two huge horseshoe-shaped impressions in the ground behind the house as if something massive had been sitting there, and 52 witnesses from around the city had all seen the bright light in the area at the same time Zanfreda claimed to have been attacked. Hell yeah. It sounds to me like they found him like drunk or on drugs or some shit. High and feverish in the fucking front. Like he didn't do his job. <laughs> He's like, uh, aliens. Aliens got me. Well, who do you think came up with LSD? It was definitely the aliens. Oh, you're not wrong. Don't even get me started on this. We didn't. What? Operation Paperclip and all that nonsense. Dennis Leary. The world's most unsexiest fireman. Fireman. <laughs> That show is so silly. The, the only fireman to ever turn Tara off, Dennis Leary. <laughs> Even then, she's like, well, if I squint and get kind of real drunk. Mm, I don't know about that. If he brings one of his friends along, maybe. It turns out his friend's Willem Dafoe. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and she's like, fuck. I don't find you guys funny. I think we're hilarious. No, I'm something of a fire chief myself. Oh, no. <laughs> This is the part where Tara's supposed to be laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but she's not. She's still mad about how the firefighters didn't, you know, stick around last night. Uh, I'm still mad you fucking bullshit. guys threw me off a cliff. All right, next we have tent creatures. Not intent creatures? Mm -mm. Not intent. Just, right. just tent creatures, which is actually like code name for my festival days when I'd bring wooks back to my tent. <laughs> I'd wake up the next day and I'm like, God, I got, I got tent creatures. Oh, no. <laughs> 
It's good. Just get rid of the whole tent. You're never going to get rid of them. It's like, oh, man. I watched, I watched him do that once. Yeah, I've gotten rid of Literally more tents. Literally just like somehow crumpled the, like it was set up and he's like just folding it into itself and then just shoved it in a barrel trash can. That's like, I'm just not even, it's not worth it anymore. This one's ruined. Fred Rico Ibanez, 54, was driving to his vineyards just outside of tourist Spain around 1130 a.m. that morning when he came across a strange object in the road ahead of him. It was shaped like a half an egg, a large dome on four short legs, and appeared to be made from a shining white metal. It was about eight feet tall. As Ibanez puzzled over this object, two small figures emerged from near a carob tree about 36 feet away, and he headed for the craft. He saw the strange beings from the side, one behind the other. They were only about three feet tall each, and appeared to be wearing white outfits that covered them from head to toe, and looked as if they were inflated. What? This is just a festival. They're just wearing little <laughs> fat guy suits, like sumo wrestler suits. <laughs> 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 Who dressed their chicken up? Actually, that's a huge chicken. That's a big ass that's chicken. That's a big <laughs> Imagine the nuggets. Well, the little beings almost appeared to be wearing tiny tents. The feet and hands were small and dark in color. All that Ibanez could make of their faces was that they had tubes of some sort that projected out from the face by about three inches like built-in binoculars. Telescope eyes. I mean, this is just like a, a festival, it really is. It's definitely what everybody at a festival wants a festival to be like. Yeah. <laughs> Sumo wrestling midgets? Fuck yeah. Remember, remember yeah. when we were really fucked up on mushrooms and we saw those tent creature things? What the fuck was that? I don't know. Remember that time we went to a festival and included little toilet paper rolls to our eyeballs and walked around? <laughs> <laughs> And we were like, holy crap, we have telescopic eyes. Look at us. Uh, the two figures rushed to, uh, rushed to the vehicle and entered it, after which the half-egg rose quickly and silently, creating a whirlwind as it took off. Later, researchers found four small impressions on the ground where Ibanez said the vehicle had been, and estimated a weight of about four tons from the depths of the impressions. Ooh, they got in there deep. Four tons? That's a pretty good, how do you get that estimate? Like, how deep is the impression? I mean, you they can, you can measure soil density, right? And then see how much PSI it would take to do that much. You know, I mean, we got to do it for concrete all the time. Right. To see how but four times, like what if something I don't know how you fell would, like harder yeah, or right. created a bigger impact? Also, like, you'd think something that weighs four fucking tons would create a little bit more damage when it created that amount of force to lift it off the fucking ground. But you think it could hold more than... Two three foot tall chickens with tele <laughs> telescopic eyes. Four tons is a whole lot for two four foot chickens. Well, you don't know how heavy the chickens were. Alien extra gravity chicken. Okay. Extra tasty gravity. Man, those other aliens were just in their head to foot in their tiny little seven foot chicken. Uh, <laughs> and these guys. Well, in Soviet Russia. Oh, yeah? Forgive me now. Oh, this one's going to be fun. Oh, the hammer and sickle will never forgive you, Tara. Matt, are you sure you don't want to do it? You're real good at these weird fucking words. All right, let's do it. In Soviet Russia, it was around 6.30 p.m. at Levo Berezinsky's Park in Voronezh, Russia. There was not one K in there. Children were playing. <laughs> a group of adults were waiting at a nearby bus stop, and a large red oval, about 45 feet long by 18 feet high, was flying in circles about 40 feet high above the ground, hmm. which kind of caught everyone's attention. Kind of. A little I bit. I hope so. Weird place for that. The Obercraft landed lightly in the park. How do they know how light it landed? It didn't leave four ton impressions <laughs> in the ground. Uh, near several of the playing children, 
and three large beings came out, accompanied by a box-like robot. Oh. Watch out for the front limb, children. And <laughs> <laughs> rushing up. Traffic doesn't even stop. So the children kept playing. The beings were humanoid, but around nine feet tall with very long arms and a sort of dome instead of a head and neck. These domes had three eyes, two whitish ones side by side, and then a red one above them that was described as swiveling around like a radar. Hell yeah. I'm about that. Yeah, me too. Had a red radar eye? Cool as fuck. They appear to be wearing silver jumpsuits with bronze boots and set about collecting dirt samples. One of the three seemed to be in charge and sometimes made sounds that were believed to be orders to the other two. Oh yeah, bleep bloop. Bleep bloop. I was like, oh yeah, don't mind us here. Uh, We're just going to collect some dirt real quick. Keep playing, kids. Just going, yup, 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 Everyone witnessing the event had been too stunned to really react at first, but soon proved to be too much for one young man who started to scream. Yo! Do not take our dirt! This is Russia! Mother Russia! I don't care if you are dressed like Prince. You put that dirt down. I need a purple rain your ass on out of here. And then the being in charge clearly focused its attention on this young man who was suddenly frozen in place. Nope, 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 nope. And everyone else then started to panic as the strange beings now appeared to be a threat. They should just let him have the fucking dirt. Yeah, we're just collecting dirt. Yep. Before a full panic set in, the beings and the craft simply vanished from few. Damn it, guys didn't turn on the fucking cloaking device again. <laughs> Five minutes later, the beings and the strange craft suddenly reappeared in the same place they had been before. But one of the beings now held a short tube, which it pointed at the teenager who disappeared. I put on the cloaking device, go in there and get the gun. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody else move. Now a real panic broke out as the three large beings returned to their craft and the oval vehicle lifted up into the air. As it vanished from sight, the teenager suddenly reappeared from nowhere. All right, turn the cloaking off on the, on the teenager. On the, on the teenager. <laughs> Researchers were baffled by the strange events, but all witnesses stuck to their stories and drawings by both the children and adults presented a consistent, though strange, portrait. That one sounds fucking dope. Yeah. I think everything in Russia is just doper. Kind of. Well, no, but yes. Like, you ever watch, like, the Russian, like, videos? Like, the dash cams? Yeah, and, just yeah. all the crazy mm-hmm. nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, like, even our Russian driver last night. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Fucking wild. Fucking wild. So, which one was your favorite? Oh, God. I, uh, we already know yours was the ginger. You know my type. Yeah, mine was the blocks, obviously. It was the only one with the penis involved. Man, I don't know. The Russian one was pretty dope. Oh, it definitely was. You don't like Bigfoot? I mean, I do. I do. A Bigfoot just—I don't know why he was Bigfoot, and I never even saw him come out of the aliens. Alien He's just wearing a shirt. We don't even know if his feet were big. That's right. Too foggy. Well, you know, Bigfoot's brown, and this guy wore a brown shirt, so close enough. Bigfoot don't have no fashion sense. I lied. You can't wear brown on brown on brown on brown. Maybe you why can. not? Well, I don't know. I don't have no fashion sense either. I don't know. I think the Russian one probably my favorite. That's why it was number one. I mean, I kind of like triangle eyes too, though. Like the Italian guy that just passed out. <laughs> Redneck Italian. <laughs> oh, shit. What else, what else we got? Anything about anything else? You do. I do. You were saving a story for the end. Oh, I forgot about my story. All right. Uh, so some of our Patreon listeners know we did uh, we did Akon. And I'm not sure you two remember Akon. I, I, 
Vaguely. No. no. <laughs> Vaguely. It was, it was a rough night for us. Yeah. The episode is fantastic. It's, it's like a little Akon update, but we'll we'll go through um, the, the story again briefly. But yeah, this one's my favorite. Oh, okay. It's my new favorite. Number zero? Yes, number zero. All right. Well, in April 1958, a series of contacts would have been started, which would set her story apart from the 1950s standard UFO sci-fi nonsense. These visits by Akon would have culminated in a day in a day-long rendezvous with Elizabeth on the high plateau of Kathkin Peak, where he supposedly presented her with a silver ring, which enhanced their telepathic connection. Their love was then consummated, and a child was conceived at her advanced age of 48 years old. Ooh. Like, not beyond the, you know, medical possibility of having a kid, but fucking getting right there. Like, that's... That's Those, menopause age. That's not an alien baby. Those are birth defects because you're not supposed to have a kid. Alien medical science is amazing, all right? Uh, well. well, she wrote some some little blurbs about the, the rendezvous. Ooh, tell me more. I surrendered in ecstasy to the magic of his lovemaking. Oh, wow. All right, I'm, we're I'm, di- I'm we're impressed right already. Right the deep end. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, she, I mean, she went into full detail. Our bodies merging in magnetic union as the divine essence of our spirits became one. She's good with adjectives. He's good at sex. She's great with aliens, too. (laughs) He's good at sex. Um, After a terrestrial pregnancy, uh, she would have been transported to 1959 to Akon's home planet, Matan, supposedly orbiting Proxima Centauri in the nearby multiple star system of Alpha Centauri. Uh, There, she would have delivered the male child, her son, Ailing. Ailing? Ailing. Like alien. Uh, A-Y-L-I-N-G. Oh. Ailing? Oh, it's just a little ailing. She didn't get creative on the name. No. She did not get creative on the name. Uh, stayed behind on Metton to be educated while Elizabeth reluct- reluctantly came home. Uh, Metton's planetary vibrations affected her heart, and she was consequently not per- permitted to return there. Instead, received follow-up visits from Akon and Ailing. Yeah, I got a heart problem. I can't uh, come see my kid. <laughs> Y'all gonna have to come visit me. The whole trip, delivery and return, she supposedly required less than four months, sufficiently long, to enable a nine-year stay on Metton. So, like, four months there was nine oh, years four, like She's gone from Earth right. for four months, but, but she was hanging out with her kid for nine years. Right. Okay. That doesn't make any sense at all, but I understand. No, I mean, none of it makes any sense. She gave birth to an alien baby and named it Ailing. Yeah. <laughs> it was the dad's choice, okay? I didn't have <laughs> Well, she goes on to say... There were no cities or skyscrapers as Earth people know them. Anywhere on Melton, homes were scattered. I completely changed her voice. <laughs> uh, well, that's because she's back on Earth now. Oh, you're, you're right. <laughs> homes were scattered in park-like grounds. There was an abundance of all things needed by civilization. Food, water, and all materials for building. An unlimited supply of energy on tap from the atmosphere and the universe. No shortages of any kind and no monetary system at all. You weren't having babies with these communist aliens? <laughs> <laughs> she watched one Star Wars. I'm sorry, one Star, Star Trek. Trek. <laughs> well, Claire took far more time publishing a book, Beyond the Light Barrier, in 1980, about her extraterrestrial adventures. Uh, on the Word Lecture tour in 1950, George Adamaski made a point of visiting South Africa and looking up Claire for a chat on their variety of experiences with the friendly, wise Space Brothers. By that time, Claire was not the only Adamaski follower to experience... Claimed space motherhood. So she's not the only one to have a space baby. But we'll leave that there. And if you want to hear 
uh, more of our small pints stuff about the beginning of Akon and these other space babies. I got to become a Patreon member. Mm-hmm. And you can listen to the absolutely wonderful train wreck that is that episode. And it is wonderful. No, it is beautiful. It's not as good as the Necromancer episode. <laughs> oh, no. Not even. Well, actually, I take that back. It's beautiful in its own way. And I'm not even sure that one tops sex. How to have safely, safely have sex with a demon. I don't think I've ever heard you laugh that hard in my life. Oh, but I, I didn't get to hear you when I fell off the cliff, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Matt laughed when I fell off the cliff. It was the, it was like the way your voice sounded like, you know, like, like somebody moving the microphone away from you as you're screaming. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I had a blast. I totally had a blast. I'm sweaty thinking about it. Like. Like, I, think, I, know it's, I think that's the warm room. I mean, it's warm in here. Like, as soon as we started talking about it, it's going to start sweating. We won't make you do it again this year. I'll about to do something next time we hang out. I know next, I will. Next, next oh, yeah. season. I'm, getting, I'm planning something. And, you know, my kid's going to be big enough to do it. Hell yeah, I'll videotape you off from the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't even driving this time. From the bottom is part of how you safely have sex with a demon. Oh. Um, <laughs> that is true. That is true. All right. Yes. Oh, the story you're talking about. So... We got an email from a lady. Uh-huh. Maybe. We don't know well, if this is a fake name or not. That's true. Yeah. I couldn't find him on any social medias. And If this is, you know, an actual person emailing with an actual concern, I could see how to be the kind of person who would avoid social media. Dude, you're not even... Because yeah. if, you ex- if you express this kind of stuff on Facebook and whatnot, people are going to tear you a new asshole. All right, well, we got a message from... Jillian, apparently. Jillian, apparently. Jillian. We've been doing some space frog marketing. Been handing out stickers and just groundwork and mm-hmm. trying to get new Patreons as we're picking people up so we can, you know, pay for our editors doing a killer job and just, you know, everything. Trying, getting our merch. To get our name out there. Koozie the Month Club. We're picking up yep. listeners. Like, it's insane. We even picked up listeners over the holiday, which we don't get a lot of plays on the holiday. On holidays people, at all. People catch up later. Yeah, people you know? are doing holiday stuff on right. the holiday. Yeah. It's awesome. Anyway, it says, someone stuck one of your stickers to my car. I don't know who did it, but super awesome that I have to pay to get that removed. Thanks. <laughs> Exclamation point. <laughs> Childish. Uh, well, uh, And I want to go ahead and point out that the stickers I got, they're really nice stickers. They're made of like a, a polyester... They're, they're not rip labels, so they, they don't rip when yes, you peel them off. they do not tear. If you, can, if you semi, can flick up a corner of it, you can peel this thing off. Whether it's no on the problem. car paint or the window. Or the window. doesn't yeah. matter where it goes. Like, it's a semi-permanent, like, we, we got the good stuff. It's made to stick until you want it to oh, not stick. Maybe they have to pay to get their nails done so they can get under the edge to peel it off. It could be. could be. <laughs> but the whole principle that this person took the time to do that and say they're going to have to pay to get it removed? Um, I'm going to respond to them eventually. But they're like, what's that say? Pintoftheroundtable.com? All right, I'm going to go to that. I'm going to go to the website and send them a message complaining about somebody else putting a sticker on the car. Because, I mean, make that clear, too. It wasn't us putting stickers on oh, cars. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, the, we're handing no. them out to people at the bars. Yeah, man, we're making groundwork. That's what and we do. I don't know why and somebody else who... decided to stick a sticker on somebody else's car. Maybe they thought it was their car. There were a couple of drunk asses yeah, there. I mean, everybody loves stickers. I was a drunk ass. Me <laughs> too. I didn't put a sticker on a car. Nope. In the amount of time it took to send the email, they could have peeled the sticker off three times. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, easily. And they easily. could have re-put it somewhere cool. With no 
effort at all. Like I said, you get one corner up off this thing, it'll it'll peel right off. Anyway, like, Jillian, if you do listen to this, I'm I'm sorry somebody stuck a sticker to your car because that is disrespectful. But also, if you join our Patreon, instead of paying a random person, we'll come peel it off. I won't. I'll go peel it off. If you join at the fifteen dollar level. Oh, we'll meet you at Rhino's and peel the fucking sticker off your car. <laughs> don't stick stickers on other people's uh, yes, vehicles. That's yes. the next but also, thing, if you guys, guys yeah, are yeah, out there on. handing you guys stickers and stuff like that, don't don't put them in places like they're disrespectful. Don't put them like on, you know, bars that don't want them or or you know, people's cars and stuff. Don't put them anywhere they're gonna get pissed off at us for ha- yeah. having to peel. I them mean, off. if they get pissed off us, <laughs> so be it. We didn't do it, but at the same time, you know, put the stickers somewhere cool that that helps support us. You know. Yeah. Yeah, like if you go into a restaurant or a bar and they have stickers, stickers all over, yeah, yeah, yeah. be like, "Hey, can you put yep. my buddy's stickers up?" Yep, we're up on the freezer at Bird Dog and at the Tripnik now. Yeah, the Tripnik. We're yeah. at Rhinos. Yep. We got stickers at, yeah, all over. Black sheep, black sheep everywhere, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that, and our good buddy John, who's also a Patreon member, um, he sells a lot of records and stuff, and. He's a Patreon listener, but he's got a whole shit ton of stickers. He's been sending all over the world, which is awesome as shit. That's so awesome. Yeah, man. That's so cool. Maybe one day we'll be able to go around the world, guys. Is that a sex joke? In 80 days or? No, I meant like, this is our dream. Like, we want to thrive in this so we can travel and I cannot fun. wait to put stickers on cars in Australia. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I ain't getting beat up by a kangaroo. Fuck that. You, that, you know I'll, what? I'll the kangaroo's going to come out and be like, I'm my motherfucking car. I'll put a sticker on the kangaroo. <laughs> got to be able to fight a duck. And then what's the other one? You, you can't punch a, punch a goose. You got to punch a goose before you can even take the next step to go to Australia. You can't punch a goose, man. You can't. I did it accidentally, and it didn't phase the goose. Yeah, they're We've all goose-necked and shit. I matter. know. Even trying to punch a goose, I fucked up. Goose didn't give a fuck about getting punched. Not at all. Not even close. All right, once again, th- uh, thanks, Brad. Thank you, Lacey. And thank all of our other Patreon members. We're already there. Guys. All future Patreon members. Sign up, check us out. Can't do this without you guys. And once again, thanks to Kirk Goodwolf, our new editor. Yeah, doing a great his, job. His links will, will be in a you know, show description, all that stuff. But Also, thanks, Jillian, sending that great email. Yeah. Sorry about your 82 Honda Civic. Probably a Subaru out here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, well, hey, guys. Uh, we love the shit out of you, and we're pines to the round table. I hope you enjoyed listening. I hope you didn't hate us. Cheers, bitches. See you later, Space Rangers. Thank you all again for supporting us, even if it's just listening. However, we do need your support to keep this going. So if you get a chance, head on over to our Patreon page and become a member. We have three levels of sponsorship, or you can simply donate to the show there or on our website, which all links will be shown in the show description. There's also three extra shows on Patreon, all for the $10 level. Small points, which is random news about ghosts having sex or goblins found in a suitcase at the airport. Press Play, which is a show about music with the lovely Mel Damon, also known as Matt Gibson. There's also Torco Brewster, which some of you are already acquainted with. Also check out the podcast Mugs of Mystery from the extremely beautiful yet completely unavailable Casey Combs. Anyway, this isn't possible without you guys, and if times are tight, send us an email at pintsotrt at gmail.com. Or the website has a direct email bubble that you can just type in and hit send. Tell us about the show and let us know what you loved or what you hated. 
give us some of your favourite quotes so that we can get it onto a koozie or a sticker for you guys. This has been a Pints Podcast production. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents and design of this podcast are the property of Pints Podcast Productions and are protected under US and international copyright and trademark laws. Except as otherwise provided herein, users of this podcast may save and use information contained in this podcast for only for personal use or other non-commercial educational purposes. No other use, including, without limitation, reproduction, retransmission, or editing, this podcast may be made without prior permission of Pints Podcast Production.